Amen. Thank you, Brian. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 37 this morning uh, for just a minute and then we'll move a little further. Uh, Isaiah chapter 37. We were scheduled this morning to uh, start a new series of messages and I just feel like uh, we need to hold a little bit on that uh, and take a minute and talk about some of the things that God maybe wants to teach us. He certainly doesn't waste any of the crises that come in our life. Uh, God has things for us to learn and to uh, understand and to grow and to develop in the midst of difficulty and struggle. Oftentimes it takes difficulty in our lives for us to uh, change. You know, I, I've said often, we, we typically don't change when we know enough, we know how to. We typically change when we hurt enough that we have to. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that's true in our lives, uh, that God has to bring things into our lives to, to bring about change. Isaiah 37, uh, down around verse 30, uh, is just a text of Scripture that, that if you... Ha I meant to bring one with me this morning. I failed to do that. The, the Global Impact Celebration Prayer Guide. If you looked through your prayer guide, uh, we didn't spend a ton of time talking about this during Global Impact Celebration, but there, in, in the midst of that is uh, a list of goals for the next five years uh, and going forward with missions and, and what we believed God would have us to do. And, and they were framed around these verses uh, in Isaiah 37. Uh, verse 30 says, and this shall be a sign unto thee. God's talking to Hezekiah. Uh, and, and it's a sign that God's going to deliver him from the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, who's come against him. Uh, you shall eat this year such as groweth of itself, and the second year that which springeth of the same. And in the third year you shall sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. And they shall escape out of Mount Zion, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. It's a passage of scripture that uh, parallels 2 Kings chapter 19. Uh, before I came here, really almost now two years ago, uh, that seems strange to say, uh, it almost seems like this year has escaped me. You know, it's like it's, we've, we've been dealing with things all year long, but, but I know that's not the case. God isn't wasting this year. Uh, this year has a purpose and an intent, and God's working it to that end. Uh, but uh, almost two years ago before I came, as I was reading the scriptures and just seeking the Lord uh, as he does, as we read his word in a systematic way, uh, he's talking, and, and some days those are more monumental things that he says, and, and some days maybe less, uh, but, but it's all God talking, so it's all monumental, it's all important. Uh, and when God's communicating with you through his word, and he does that as we systematically read the word of God, that's why we encourage you to do that uh, and read with us through the 52 weeks of pursuit or have your own system of systematically going through the word of God. But uh, on that particular day, uh, God's dealing with me prior to my coming here, Second Kings chapter 19, again parallel to this passage and and what he said to me was this uh, you you should you should go Joe and and not uh, be in a hurry uh, for a couple of years you're just going to let whatever springs up springs up of itself uh, and and then in the third year uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bless it and, and we're going to go forward and uh, and and the, th the three phrases that we use to get the uh, the goals from I, I think are, are, are paramount verse 31 he, he says that 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 Judah shall again take root downward. Uh, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, we needed to, to get some roots downward, uh, that we should bear fruit upward, and then they, we should go forth. <clears throat> and so there's 
three aspects of that. I'm losing my voice here. There's three aspects of that. Uh, one is that we would, we would take root. We needed to deepen our roots and, and we need to develop and, and, and rekindle our uh, discipleship ministries and, and begin to teach in discipleship and, and reproduce ourselves and, and, and get back to discipleship too and, and the institute and the different things that we've done so that we can take root downward so that we can bear fruit upward and so that many of us can go forth out into the world to reach the gospel. And so we, we framed our goals. How are we going to take root downward? How are we going to bear fruit upward? How are we going to go out into the world? And, and those are in those goals. And I, I just case all of that to, to set up the message for today. And it's going to come out of chapter 38. All right. And so we're still dealing with Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah's in this crisis. He's in a time of trouble. Uh, he's in a time of difficulty. And he's gone before the Lord. We, we talked about it Wednesday night in House of Prayer and saw his pattern of prayer as he laid out his problems before the Lord and, and God answered those. And, and, and then in, in, in chapter 38, we find that not only does he have this issue of the king of Assyria coming against him, uh, but, but then he, he gets this news. He's sick. Uh, it, it says in verse 1, in those days, and so in the midst of this time, he's sick. And, uh, uh, and so he, he's sick, not, not just with any sickness, but he's, he's sick unto death. Uh, and so Hezekiah is going through a difficult time. Thank you, Ray. And uh, he's, he's struggling, and uh, he's, he's got the king of Assyria coming against him, and, and he's sick unto death. And the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, uh, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Uh, wow. Uh, what a disturbing message that Hezekiah has received. Again, in the midst of difficult times, uh, he, he's struggling with other things, and now he gets this diagnosis from the Lord. He knows he's sick. The Bible tells us it's a, a bull, it's a, a pining sickness. Uh, it, maybe it was leprosy. And, uh, and now more, more sure than the prognosis of a doctor is the prophecy of the prophet, Isaiah, who comes and says, you need to get things in order, Hezekiah. You're not going to live. Uh, you know, I... I, I can't imagine what it feels like to get that news. Uh, there, there are those of you here and, and watching today who, who know what that's like. You've, you've heard those kinds of words. I can't imagine. You know, I, I, I've had the, the testing for COVID, and, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a little daunting to sit in a waiting room or in a, a, an examination room and wait on them to come back and say, you do or you don't. And as daunting as that is, I, can, I can't imagine what it's like to sit in one where the outcome is cancer or, or not, uh, or, or some other malady in your body. Uh, those, those are difficult times. Those are, those are hard things. That's a troublesome time, and, and that's where Hezekiah is. And, uh, and then Hezekiah responds to it. Verse 2, he turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee. Uh, now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer and have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years and will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord. And the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again this, the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of, of Ahaz ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it had gone down. 
It's an incredible story uh, about the king of, of Judah, Hezekiah. I want us just to, to learn a few things from him today in, in this recording of this event in his life. The, the first thing I, I want us to see is that, that the righteous respond to trouble with prayer. It's a right response. When, when we're going to respond to trouble, the right response is to respond with prayer. Uh, although, typically, that's not our first response, is it? Come on. I know we're at church, but it's okay to be honest, right? I know this is the, the last place we're typically very honest about anything. Uh, but, but today would be a good day. There's just us here, right? There's nobody else. Uh, we can be honest today. Our typical response is not a response of prayer. We respond with worry. Uh, we respond with, with fighting and, and, and trying to figure out ways to, to get ourselves out of this situation. We're going to resolve it somehow. We're going to rectify it. Uh, but we, we rarely make our first response with prayer. I keep opening this. I'm going to take a drink of it now. Oswald Chambers said this, We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do. But God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will make immediate results. We don't want to wait for God to resolve matters in his good time because his idea of good time is seldom in sync with ours. Oswald Chambers. Isn't that true? We, we typically respond by somehow, you know, and I, I, I am so guilty. I want out of my crisis immediately. God, get me out of this and get me out of this now. And the reason that I want that is because I fail to see God working through the crisis. God has a purpose in it. He doesn't waste them. And that's why he wants me to come to him in prayer so that he can give me his perspective. It's not, I don't come to him in prayer so that he, he takes away the crisis. I come to him in prayer to get his perspective on the crisis so that the crisis can have its effect in my life. It's intended effect, God's intended effect. Uh, there's a couple of things I want us to think about. He, Hezekiah responds in prayer, uh, it, and he's a, he's, a righteous man, he's a righteous man. It's, it's interesting. Uh, we don't know a lot about Hezekiah. We don't talk a lot about Hezekiah. Uh, but he, is, he has more written about him than, than any of the other kings except David and Solomon. Uh, David and Solomon obviously have a ton of, of, of things written about them. But Hezekiah, king of Judah, uh, has a ton written about him. There's more written about him than any others. And he's a, he's a great man. He's a godly man. He's a man who, who removed the, all of the... Uh, the the idols that were in the temple and he restored people back to, to worshiping God. In fact, in, in 2 Kings 18, uh, verse number 5 and 6, he, it says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. And it says after him was none like him. Uh, and, and there weren't any that went before him that he clave unto the Lord and he departed not from following him and he kept his commandments. And, and you know, if your mother's saying those king, kinds of things about you, that's, that's nice, uh, but maybe not true. But this is what God is saying about Hezekiah. Uh, and he, so he's a, he's a godly man, but, but even as a godly man, he faced trouble. And so often that goes against our philosophy of life, doesn't it? So often we don't we don't think like that. The, the poisonous prosperity gospel has tainted us. Uh, and we think that if I follow God, if I live in righteousness, I'll never have a problem. I'll always be healthy. I'll always be wealthy. And, and everything's going to go my way. 
And the evidence of that is when things don't go my way, I have a tendency to become angry with God. I, I, I have a tendency to get mad at God. I have a tendency sometimes to think, God, why would you let this happen to me? I, I, that's me. I, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to think that way. I have a tendency to look around and say, why in the world is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening to us? It happens to righteous people. And, and, and to think that way is, is contradictory to the Word of God. It's contradictory to the, the evidence of the Scriptures. The Bible is, is replete with, with stories of godly people who faced suffering. They faced difficulty. They go through times of trouble. It's, it's, it's contradictory with, with just our experience. We've all known godly people who, who suffered greatly even though they were righteous. And, and that was the case with Hezekiah. In fact, the Bible says that he was sick unto death. Uh, a pining sickness, a, a, a slow sickness. It was, it was misery in his life. The, the life was literally just ebbing out of him. And a very, very difficult time. And Isaiah comes and he says, Hezekiah, you need to, you need to set your house in order for thou shalt die and not live. And this was, this was particularly bad for Hezekiah. Uh, a lot of reasons why he would have looked at this situation and said, this, this just isn't right. He wasn't an old man, and I won't take time to go through the evidences of it, but the evidences are, are found within the scriptures that he was only 39 years of age. Now, used to 39 was pretty old to me, uh, but now it's really young. Uh, it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? You know, at one time I thought, man, that dude's almost 40. I don't, he's still walking too, it's amazing. Uh, and now I'll look at him and go, well, 39? You, what's your worries? Right? He's a, he's a young guy. He's only 39 years old. Uh, and, and so uh, that's going on in his life. And then he's got these other issues that are going on, right? He's got the issue of a Sennacherib coming against. He's the king. And, and, and there's this, this conflict that's already going on in the kingdom. Uh, there, there's also the issue, again, you would find the evidences in the scriptures uh, with some study that he didn't have an heir. He didn't have a son. And so what, now this line of David, that, 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 that there's the secession of kings that they're supposed to be, he doesn't have anyone to pass it to. And so, uh, again, I'm sure that was in his mind. And, and I'm sure not the least of it is God's already promised you, I'm going to deliver you. I, I'm going to, there's this remnant, it's going to go forth and God's going to do great things. And, and he hasn't realized those promises yet. And so there's this expectation. And so uh, he, he's facing a time of trouble and, and it's especially bad for him because of the circumstances of his life. And what he does is he responds by going to God in prayer. He reaches out to God and he, he actually weeps before God. Now, now it's fair to say that, that we're, we're facing a time of trouble in our life, lives. We're, we're facing a time of trouble in our world. Obviously there's the COVID-19 thing and uh, that, that's huge. Uh, it is huge. Uh, you know up until a, a couple of weeks ago it really hadn't touched my life but just very little. But over the last couple of weeks wow uh, we have been devastated and, and terribly impacted by it and, and and there's all kinds of concerns that come right there's all kinds of things that arise there's there's the there's the trouble with our health and just the the, the sickness that it brings the physical issues there's the trouble with with emotions and and the isolation and the discouragement and the loneliness and the depression uh, and, and we, we've talked about that a lot in small groups this morning as people who are going through difficult times it seems like everything else is magnified ten times uh, I, I've walked with people through loss during this, this pandemic and people who've lost loved ones and gone through hardships that, that are normally hard, but it seems like during times, these times it's been multiplied. 
uh, tenfold. And uh, there's the trouble with, with finances uh, and, and, and all the unrest that's going on and, and the economic impacts of it and the trouble of the unknown and just the fear of not knowing what's going to happen and what the future is exactly and will we ever get back to normal and, and what will normal look like and what did it look like? Do we even remember? There's a lot of trouble. The righteous face trouble. And while that's not very encouraging, I want us to recognize that, that Hezekiah not only teaches us that the righteous, righteous face trouble, but when the righteous turn to God, he hears. He hears us. And that's what the Bible tells us in chapter 38. He prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord sent word back, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear your prayer. God responds to him. Hezekiah, when he, he faces trouble, the Bible tells us that he turned toward the wall. He, he turned away from everyone that was there, Isaiah, whomever was there in the court, and he talked to God. Aren't you grateful that you can be open and honest with God? You know, I said a moment ago, it's so often in church where we're, we're, we're not honest with each other. I, I hate that. I hate that we feel like we have to play games when we come to church. I, I hate that we feel like we have to put on a, an air of, of, of righteousness and pretend like we've got no problems. If, if you're, you're not accustomed to church, if you're watching today or you're in this room today and, and you know church is not something that you do and your impression of, of, of church is that we all got our act together, let me just tell you that's a false impression. Uh, let me tell you that we've propped it up. Uh, by pretending and lying and acting like we got it all together, we got problems, we got troubles, we got issues just like everybody else, right? You should know that. Uh, that's an honest, uh, that's the honest truth about what it is to live in this world. And, and certainly uh, Hezekiah has that and, and, and he turns to God and, and he just lays his heart out before God. And you can be honest with God. Aren't you grateful for that? What, what you might not say to somebody else, what you might, I, I wish we had the liberty to say to each other and we would have that kind of freedom and, and I hope we're growing in that direction as we've talked a lot about relationships and, and being rightly related and being willing to be transparent and honest with each other and, and bear one another's burdens and care about each other and, and accept one another. I, I hope we're growing in that direction but let me just assure you today what you're not comfortable to saying to someone else you can say to God. It's amazing to me that we want to pretend, you know, we want to act like, you know, God doesn't know us, right? You're going to fool him. We're going to trick God, you know, not let him know what's going on in my heart and my mind. He knows what's going on in my heart and my mind. He knows what I'm thinking anyway. I might as well go ahead and tell him. I can be honest with him. And you know, I can weep before him. I can pour out my heart before him. And he hears me. And he sees me. And he knows me. He cares about what I'm going through. And that's what Hezekiah is doing. And as he, as he turns and he pours out his heart to the Lord, what he says is, Lord, I, I want you to remember. And he's not saying, like, you know, God somehow has, has got amnesia and he's forgotten. Uh, he knows God remembers him. But he just says, I, I just want to point this out to you. I want you to consider my life. I've walked before you in truth. I, I've, I've done what I could to live a life of faithfulness. I've, I've had a perfect heart. I've, I've had, not that he's never, never failed, not that he's never made a mistake, not that he's never done anything wrong, never, not that he's ever had a bad thought, but he's just saying, I've had a whole heart. My whole heart has been towards you, God. I've, I've lived for you. I've done that which is good in your sight. 
And again, that's, that's his testimony. The, the Bible tells us if we were to go back to 2 Kings 18 and read about Hezekiah, that he removed the high places, he broke the images, he cut down the groves, he, he broke in pieces the brazen serpent of Moses. Remember, when the children of Israel were coming out, and the, 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 Moses put that brazen serpent up on a pole, and when they looked to the serpent, they were healed. And, but, but now they've, they've begun to worship that, just like we have a tendency to do, right? We have a tendency to, to worship things, and, and Hezekiah realized, that and so he breaks it in pieces and he says it's Nehushtan it's it's just brass there's no value in it there's no good in it those things that we elevate and we set up they're they're of no value they're of no benefit and again the testimony of the Lord is there's none like unto him and the kings of Judah none before him or none after him he's a godly man and he and he points that out and and he's not he's not implying that God owes him something that that's not what he's saying here he's not saying that that God owes him something because of how he's lived his life that's not how he's approaching this he's just simply saying God I've lived before you I've lived sincerely I, I I've sought to please you are you unpleased with me have I missed something is there something that you you need to point out in my life and and God, do you not recognize? I, I, I would live the rest of my days for you. I, I would live out. If you would give me life, I would live that life for you. I, I would live it to honor and to glorify you. He cries out to God, and, and God hears him because he is righteous. He's right before God. And, and let me just say that, that it's important that we be right before God. It is important that we, we have imputed righteousness right hezekiah is a righteous man and 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 i understand that's different in an old testament economy than a new testament economy but in our economy today it's important that we be righteous if we want god to hear us and the the way that we're righteous today is through imputed righteousness righteousness that is given to us by god through his son jesus christ that's salvation that's how i know i have eternal life that's how i know that my eternal life is secure because it's based on imputed righteousness. Christ lives in me and he gave me his righteousness. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he says, he, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us. That's that day we talked about a little earlier when he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It, we must be righteous if we want God to hear us. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and allowing him to impute righteousness to us. But it's also true that, that as a believer in Christ, although I am eternally secure, my sin still severs that relationship with God. It doesn't lose my salvation, but, but what the Bible teaches is that if, if I regard, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. Isaiah says that, that if I, I have hid my eyes from him that, that he will not hear me. Even Peter in the New Testament teaches us in relationship to a, a husband's relationship to his wife. He, he says, ye husbands dwell with him according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel and as heirs of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. It's interesting the importance that God puts on that marital relationship. And he says a husband, the way he lives with his wife, the way he treats his wife, uh, impacts God's hearing of his prayers. And so it's important that, that we be righteous. And, and Hezekiah is, is certainly righteous. And as a righteous man, God is hearing his prayer. 
And not only is he hearing his prayer, but, but he's answering his prayer. And as he answers his prayer, in verse number 5, go and he says to Isaiah, Go and say unto Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father. He, he references David as his father. Uh, David the, the father of Hezekiah. And, and of course, again, not immediate father, but in his lineage. Uh, he goes back to David and and. and I'm not sure exactly why God references him there. Maybe it's because he's referencing back to the Psalms. In Psalm 34, uh, David, uh, the psalmist says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Aren't you grateful for that today? Uh, The Bible says that, that, that as a righteous person, imputed righteousness, and living right before God in a right relationship with God, that I can go to God and I can cry out to him and he hears me. And not only does he hear me, but, but he answers me. He delivers. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He doesn't, he doesn't keep us from trouble. He just delivers us from trouble. And I'm grateful for that today. The, the Lord hears us and he answers us. He says, I've, I've heard thy prayer and I've, I've seen thy tears. God cares about what we're going through. He hears us and he cares about us. First John says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now we struggle with that. We struggle with that. Uh, we, we struggle to believe that. And the evidence of that is our lack of prayer. Our, our prayerlessness is evidence of our struggle with belief that God can do something about the situation. We struggle to believe that God hears us and he answers us and that he's capable of delivering us. That's the reason that we can get a multitude to show up for a worship service, but a minuscule amount to show up for a prayer service. painful but true we just lack a priority on prayer and I said we 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 worry we, 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 we research we talk to people we post on social media we talk about it and struggle with it we worry but a lot of times we don't pray most times we don't pray we we don't stop and find God's answers you know whatever's going on in our lives the trouble that we're in the midst of and and listen I I'm sure there have been more troublesome times than we live in today. I, I'm sure there are. 
I just don't recall them in my life. And, and, I, and I'm sure that part of that's because the trouble we're in today is today, and the trouble that I was in before was another day. But we live in trouble sometimes. We live in difficult days. We, we live, I, I believe, we live in those days that Paul described to, to Timothy, his son in the faith, when he said, in the last days there shall be perilous times. And he goes on and gives that description of what those times are going to be like, and man, they are an apt description of the day and times that we live in. We, we live in the last days, we live in difficult times, we, we, we have trouble, and, and, and a lot of times we're looking for a solution in some place other than God. It's just like our nation. Our nation is, is terribly divided. Our nation is, is, is not at peace. We're, we're at complete unrest, and, and there's such a schism within the nation. It's, it's terribly divided. I, I met with our mayor this week and was just talking with him about, about our community right here in Decatur, Alabama, and, and what we could do as a church to serve our community and how that we could do a better job of ministering here. And, and one of the things that he mentioned to me was, wow, we are just so divided, like the rest of our nation there's incredible division and yet what our nation seems to do rather than turning to God is we reject God and we push him away and we want peace we just want peace separated from the prince of peace and it'll never happen it's it's critical that we turn to God and that we seek God and that we find his solutions to our troubles that we trust him in the midst of our trouble. Hezekiah goes before the Lord and, and, and he, he, he's struggling. He's, he fears what's coming. He, he's received this awful sentence that, that he's going to die and he's going to miss out on, on these future years of serving the Lord. He's going to miss out on the, the kingdom as God expands it as they go forth and the fulfillment uh, of what God said he's going to do after the, the attack of, of Sennacherib. And so God comes and he answers and he answers with his promises. He's, he says to Hezekiah, I'm going to add to you 15 years. I'm going to give you 15 more years of life, Hezekiah. And, and, and not only am I going to give you 15 more years, but, but I'm reaffirming my promise. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver this city out of the hand of the Assyrians. Hey, as we read the text a moment ago, he said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to defend this city. I'm going to protect you. And what wonderful promises those were. And, and we all, again, like Hezekiah, we have issues and we have troubles and we have things that we face today that are difficult, but, but what God's calling us to do is to rest in his promises, to find hope in him, to find peace in him, that in the midst of our trouble, we would trust him. When you think about what, what God says to Hezekiah, Hezekiah, I'm going to give you 15 more years. You know what, he, you know, wonderful promise, right? 15 more years of life. But could we recognize today that God's promised us eternal life? His promise to me is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's given to me eternal life. That's a wonderful promise in which I can trust. That is where my hope is. Amen? I know there's few of us. Let's be vocal this morning. I think we should be excited about that wonderful promise. 
He, he says to Hezekiah, I'm going I'm to deliver you from this king of Assyria. And as evil as he was and as, as powerful as he was, he was the, the one, you remember, who came and said, you know, hey, who else? Who else has been able to, to deliver themselves from me? Who else, what other god has been able to deliver? I'm the king of Assyria. You, you'll never stand against me. God says, I'll deliver you from him. And as wonderful as that promise is, what God said to me, his promise to me is he's delivered me from, from sin and from death and from hell. That's a greater promise, amen? That's a greater place to put my trust. That's a greater promise in which to have my hope. I've been delivered not just from some, some earthly king. Again, I, I fear that, that, that if, if, we, if somebody could rise up today and say, COVID-19 is done, it's gone. I would celebrate that. You're delivered from it. I, I would celebrate it. I promise you I would celebrate it. But something greater to celebrate is that I've been delivered from my sin. Because my sin is far worse than this virus. God's delivered me from sin and from death and from hell. He says to Hezekiah, I'll I'll defend this city, this city of Jerusalem, this earthly city. God's promise to me is I have a heavenly city. I have an eternal city, a city that will endure forever. God's given to us his promises, and in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our troubles, we should trust in his promises. And we miss that. I fear that I miss that because I fell to be reminded of it. I fail to go into God's presence. I fail to take time to labor and spend time before him and, and rest in his presence and remind myself. I, I get so caught up. I get so focused. I, I get my attention. Instead of being focused up on him and who he is and his greatness, instead of seeing the size of my God in the midst of my problems, I see the, the size of my problems and I'm, I'm looking right here and I see everything going on around me. And I find myself under the circumstances. And that's not where God intends for me to be. He intends for me to be above the circumstances, resting in the promises of my sovereign God. That's where we've got to go. And the way that we go there is in prayer. Hezekiah, I guess a lot like us in, in 2 Kings chapter 20, God t tells him he's going to do all this. I'm going to... I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you 15 years of life. And, and Hezekiah, I guess, is a little doubtful. And, and so he says, well, God, if you, could, if you could just give me a sign. He's a good Jew, uh, and so he requires a sign. Uh, and so uh, God, God gives him an option on what the sign will be. And, 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 and they're both good options. God said, I'll, I'll either put the sun down 20 degrees forward or 20 degrees backward, or 10 degrees, excuse me. It'll, it'll either go 10 degrees backward or 10 degrees forward. And Hezekiah says, you know, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here. He didn't actually say this, okay? But my speculation is he thinks 10 degrees backwards is a little tougher. I mean, to stop the sun from, just to speed it up a little, uh, I don't know. Let's stop it and move it backward. God, if you were going to do that, if you did that, that'd be, a, that'd be a good sign. And God did. God did. 
He stopped the sun, and, and what the Bible tells us, and, and there's all kinds of speculation, and everybody wants to explain away every miracle of the Bible, and there's even preachers today who would tell you that the miracles of the Old Testament are unimportant, and I'm going to say they're heretic, and that's false. My God can turn the sun backwards if that's what he needs to do, because he's God. He created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator and the sustainer of all things. He is God. And, and so he answers that and he, and he turns it backward 10 degrees. Hezekiah, in the face of his trouble, he turns toward God and God answers him in the midst of his troubles. It's an incredible, incredible story. And when God does that, I, I want us to see. So we respond to God to trouble with prayer, we respond to God's promises with praise. And we'll, we'll look at this quickly. Look at verse number 9 of Isaiah 38. In the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. So God answers his prayer. And when God answers his prayer, what, what we'll find through the remaining verses that we won't have a, a, a time to fully expound upon, but maybe you could read them later today, is that Hezekiah is not shy about talking about what God did for him. He is going to proclaim what God has done to the world. And, and, and listen, shouldn't we be that way? I mean, we're quick to share a request. I, I, I've been ministering in a vocational capacity for, for almost 30 years, and I've, I've received literally thousands of prayer requests. But rare, rare is the praise response, the, the, the praise that comes back that says, God heard and he answered my prayer. Let me, let me praise him in the midst of this. Let me tell you what my God has done for me. Let me lift him up and exalt him. And that's ex exactly what Hezekiah does. Verse 20 of the text, Isaiah 38, verse 20. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Hezekiah says, man, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not just going to shout it from the rooftops. We're going to sing it from the rooftops. We're going to write some songs and we're going to sing them continuously every day because our God is great and he's worthy to be praised. We're going to lift him up and we're going to exalt him. We're going to magnify him and glorify him. He's worthy to be praised. That's how we respond. Today I'm starting a series and it's a series on what's called the songs of degrees. They're the psalms that are between Psalm 120 and, and Psalm 134. And they're referred to as the songs of degrees, sometimes the songs of ascent. There's a lot of, a lot of speculation and thought about them. They're, uh, they're, they're, obviously, there's, there's 15 of them. And, and uh, uh, there's one that's attributed to Solomon, four that are attributed to David, and ten that are orphaned. And there's speculation about who wrote, who wrote those orphaned psalms and and I'm going to suggest today that maybe it was Hezekiah. At least, if he didn't write them, he compiled them. Uh, we know from Proverbs that he compiled the, the, the writings of Solomon, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon. Maybe he compiled these Psalms as well. But, but there's nowhere else in the Bible that you find the word degrees, actually plural, other than here in, in the text about Hezekiah and, and then in those Psalms, those 15 Psalms. 
And these were songs that, that would be sung by the nation of Israel. They, they were songs that were sung. They, they, they are triads. They are cyclical in nature. And what you will find, what we will find as we walk through the study of those psalms is that there's a trouble. And in the midst of their trouble, they trusted in God. And as they trusted in God, God led them to triumph. And they're cyclical. And so what's happening is that they're constantly, they're called psalms of ascent. And some would say these were psalms of ascent because they were ascending up to Jerusalem. So three times in the year, they would go up to Jerusalem for the feast. And as they went up to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs, 120 to, to 134, you know, turning your psalm to Psalm 120. And they're going to sing it as they ascend. If you've ever been to Israel and you've ascended up to the city of Jerusalem in the mountains there, you know that those Jews, as they go up to Jerusalem still this day, to this day, they're singing as they go up to Jerusalem. They have songs that they sing. They love that city. It's innate within them. God has put it there. But for us today, what we should recognize, I, I believe with all of my heart, the application for us today is this, that God wants us to be in this cyclical relationship so that when we, we face trouble, all of life is a trial and a test in a temporary assignment. And we've said often, if you're, if, you're, if you're not in the midst of trouble, you're probably either just coming out of it or just going into it. And what God is endeavoring to do is, in the midst of our trouble, to, to teach us to trust Him so that He can give us the triumph so that we can grow to a new plane and a new elevation with Him. And so that then again, we'll go through it again, and we're at a higher plane with him. And we're growing in that relationship with him, so that one day, one day very soon, when we stand in his presence, and we're before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand what he did for us, the transformation that needs to take place so that I am in his image will not be such a radical transformation. But I will have, through the trials of my life and the troubles of life, I will have trusted in him and allowed him to give me triumph so that he's conforming me into his image. And I'm, I, I'm one day going to be like him because I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to see him as he is. But, but the goal is that that transformation wouldn't be so radical on that day. Because like Hezekiah, I've walked with him. And I've allowed him to give me faith and to give me triumph. So we're going to talk about those psalms of ascent. I, today, let me, let me quickly show you the, the perspective. And, and listen, this is what prayer does. It gives you a different perspective. Hezekiah, I, I won't have time to read all of these verses, but Hezekiah gets a pers different perspective on several things. He, he gets a different perspective on life. Pick it up in verse number 12. I said... In the cutting off of my days, I shall go down to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and removed from me. As a shepherd's tent, I have cut off like a weaver, like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from the day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? And, and, and he's... 
as he's facing death, before he gets the answer, in the midst of his trouble, he says, my days are cut off, my life's cut short, I'm only 39, I'm going to go down to the gates of the grave, I don't know what that's like, I don't know what's coming next, I'm deprived of the residue of my years, he's mourning the loss of his years, I shall not see the Lord, he's looking for the Lord to come, he's looking for the Messiah, and he says, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to see it in the land of the living. My dad used to always say, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. Uh, He was looking for the rapture. Uh, He was planning on going out of here in the rapture. And that's, that's kind of what's going on with him. He's, he's looking for the Lord to come. He says, I, I shall behold no man no more. He's, he, he, he says, I'm, I'm like a shepherd's tent. A shepherd's tent is not a permanent structure, right? It, it, it's something that the shepherds were, were nomadic. They're always moving. The shepherd's tent was set up one night and taken down the next day and moved. That's how life is. It's but a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. He said, I'm, I'm like a weaver's cloth. The, the weaver's cloth, when, when it, whatever the purpose of the weaving was, when it got to that purpose, it was cut off. And he says, that's what life's like. It's brief. It's, it's a temporary assignment. It's like a weaver's cloth. When it comes to the end of its purpose, it's cut off. And he says, that's my perspective of life now. I, I've got a new perspective I recognize that, that the shepherd and the weaver are in control, not me. And I trust him. I trust him when it's time to, when it's time to, to break down the tent and to go home. I'm ready. When, when the purpose is over and you choose to cut off the cloth, okay. I, I can't help but reference Brandon. And as confused as I am, it's none of my business. Because the shepherd said, pack up your tent, come on home. He said, your purpose is finished. Let me cut that, cut that off and, and you come home. So we ought to make the most out of life. We ought to live it to its fullest. But we ought to be ready to meet the Lord. Every day. Every day. Are you ready to meet the Lord? He gets a different perspective on prayer. He says, I was reckoning, verse 13, I was reckoning till morning that as a lion so will he break all my bones. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fell with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. He's reckoning to the morning. What, 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 what he's saying, Hezekiah is saying, is I, as I'm dealing with this trouble, as I'm dealing with this issue in my life, as I'm realizing that my life is going to be cut off, I'm, I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I'm figuring, I'm reckoning all this suffering that I'm going through, all this difficulty, all the uncertainty. I, I, I'm afraid like a crane or a swallow, like a, like a dove. I'm mourning. I'm, I'm pouring out my emotions. I, he, he's sitting and he's just rehearsing and contemplating his, prayer, his problems and, and, and the thing that he's come to understand is rather than, than counting on his cares, he should cast them on the Lord. N- notice he says, Mine eyes fell with looking upward, O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. 
He says, Lord, I'm going to continuously look up. I'm I'm going to fail looking up. I'm not going to fail looking up toward you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely upon you. Lord, undertake for me. Romans 8 tells us there comes a time when we we struggle to even know how to pray. We struggle in knowing what to say. God, I don't know how to communicate with you. You communicate for me, and he promises us he will do that. There's times when I can't form the words. I don't know what to say. God, I don't even know what I need. Would you undertake for me? Would you intercede? Would you show me? Would you teach me? It's a different perspective on prayer. It's not going to God to get my way. It's going to God to figure out what his way is. What are you doing, God? Show me. Perspective, not only on life and on prayer, but on opportunity. Verses 15 to 20, what shall I say? He hath but spoken unto me, and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in, the, in love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore will he sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life. In the house of the Lord. He says there's, there's opportunities to lose. The grave can't praise him. Death cannot celebrate him. Those that go down to the, the pit, they can't hope in his, his truth. But there's opportunities that we have. He says my, my perspective is in the opportunities. I'm, I'm going to praise God in the midst of my troubles. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to exalt him. And, and then he says... I'm going to teach the father to the children shall make known thy truth. I'm going to take the truths that I'm learning and I'm going to teach them to someone else. I'm going to communicate those truths. I'm going to take these opportunities. In the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my difficulty, there's opportunities. Certainly there's, there's lost things. In the midst of all that we've gone through, in the midst of all of the, the issues that 2020 has brought us, and not the least of which is a worldwide pandemic, there's a lot of opportunity that has been lost. But there's a lot of opportunity that still exists. And the right response for us isn't to pine over what has been lost. But to maximize the opportunities that still exist. Not the least of which is to praise the Lord in the midst of our difficulty. And to teach his truths to the next generation. You know, we said as a church... That 2020 would be about the next generation moving forward. How well have we done with that? How well have we taken what God has given to us? How well have we taken what, what God has entrusted to us and given it to the next generation? How well have we developed, trained, taught, mentored, discipled the next generation? Not only just teaching them lessons about the word of God but to walk with them and 
and to show them what it is to have a meaningful relationship with God, to walk with them and to show them what it is to serve and to, to minister even in the midst of crisis and difficulty. That's an opportunity that we have. We must maximize that opportunity. What do we do in the midst of trouble? We pray. We go to God. We pour out our hearts before him. We allow him to give us promises in which we can trust. And as we trust in those promises, he's going to triumph, be triumphant. He's going to give us the triumph. We can trust him, amen? We can rely upon him. I encourage us today to be a people who would trust God. He wants to change our perspective. He wants us to see life differently. He wants us to live every day as if it were our last, ready to meet him, but living it to its fullest in service to him. He wants us to have a different perspective about prayer, to allow God to give us his perspective, not just sitting around and, and reckoning what we're going through, but trusting in him. He wants to give us a different perspective about the opportunities that we still have to minister. I encourage us today to let him do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we do come into your presence this morning confessing how desperate we are for you. Lord, we do come into your presence today and acknowledge that and so often this is what we fail to do. But Lord, today we confess our our failures, and we come and we ask you to meet us, to hear us, to see us, to know what we're going through. And Father, as you do that, I pray you would indeed change our perspective. Give us a fresh perspective about life. Give us a fresh perspective about prayer, and give us a fresh perspective about the opportunities that we have, even in the midst of our troubles. May we learn to trust you in the midst of our trouble, that you could give us the triumph. Father, that you could move us forward, that we could grow and develop and become more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I know your desire is to make your son known. May we allow these difficult times to propel that cause in and through us, individually and corporately, I pray. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to just sing a song this morning. If you're here in house and you want to come and pray, we want to invite you to do that. Just take a minute if you want to come. Maybe just as you're watching online, you could make an altar there at your couch or your, your chair or coffee table. Just to get quiet before the Lord. Maybe today you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're, you're in the midst of trouble. Maybe it's not related to any of the things I've talked about. There's all kinds of trouble in the world. The right response, regardless of what it is, is to turn to God. When you turn to Him, the first step is to confess, right? Remind yourself of who He is, be reminded of who you are, and get right. Because God hears the righteous. If you're not a believer in Christ, the, the first response is to trust Christ as your Savior. As a believer, the first thing to do is to get right before God. Ask Him to cleanse us. And as He cleanses us, let's spend time with Him, allowing Him to give us a fresh perspective. If you need to pray, we invite you to come while we sing like God did in your life. Will we do that today?
that's what it's about. Just trusting Him. He is the potter, I'm the clay. He purchased me, I belong to Him. What He would choose to do with me is His business, not mine. How He would choose to live this life through me is His business. My responsibility is to submit to Him. To allow Him to do in and through me what He desires to do. I know, again, crazy times that we live in. I'm grateful that my hope isn't in my physical health. It isn't in this government. It isn't in the outcome of a presidential election. It isn't in the economy of this country. If your hope is in any of those things, if this year hasn't taught you anything, it should teach you that your hope is not secure. It can be taken away in a millisecond. We started this year with one of the greatest economies that this country has ever experienced. Today it's, it's devastated. It went like that. It reminds me of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. As he closes that sermon out, he tells the story of two men. One who built their house on a rock and one who built their house on sand. They both experienced the same kinds of storms. One house stood, one house fell. And the house that stands is the house that not only hears the word of God, but does it, lives in obedience. The house that stands is the house that has its hope in God, in his word, and that's who we want to be. That's who we want to be collectively. That's who we want to be individually. So I encourage you today, we're in trouble. In the midst of our trouble, let's trust. Let's turn to the only source of help that there is. And he's the greatest source of help. He is our God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love the prayer we looked at the other night when Hezekiah went before God and he said, Hey, Sennacherib's coming after me, but you're God and God alone. I trust you. Let's trust him like that. And allow him through that trust to give us the victory to take us to where he wants us to be amen I encourage you to do that well these are unusual times and so tonight we won't be doing